Did you know that adventure travel can enlighten your soul and even save the world? Did you know that outdoor activities can prevent a wide range of health problems? Did you know that adventure travel feeds your dreams and builds your confidence? Can you think of anything else that can do all that? Hello and welcome to TripCast 360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon Bennett coming to you from a snowy, yes, it is snowing in Las Vegas, and I am joined by the Barbados Flash via the Big Apple, Dave Cumberbatch. Talk um, about the Barbados Flash. <laughs> would you believe? <laughs> would you believe it's snowing right here now in New York as well? Well, that I would believe. <laughs> that I would believe, but you got to remember, this is Las Vegas. We 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 have not had a measurable drop of even rain for almost 180 days. So when I look at this out my window right now, it's just amazing. It'll be gone in 30 seconds, but you know, at least it's trying. But uh, yeah, we're 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 um, we're having a little bit of fun with this. Um, I know my girlfriend's going up to see her parents a little bit later on today, and her mother called her this morning, and there's snow all over her front yard. She lives here in in a suburb of Vegas called Henderson, and it's about another two or 300 feet higher in elevation. So uh, there's snow in her yard, but it'll be gone by the time my girlfriend gets there. Remember, they're from Puerto Rico. Mm. They're not used to seeing snow. <laughs> so, um, you know, so yeah. So anyway, we have a, a really exciting show today. Uh, we're going to focus on the intersection of culture and outdoor adventure with our guests. So that, that'll be something that's new to us, and it'll be a lot of fun to uh, see where our guest has traveled the world, where he aspires to go. And I promise you, some of the places he wants to go are fascinating. Uh, it makes me drool. I think I want to go with him. Um, but uh, before we get to that, next week's show, uh, we need to have a, a, a COVID discussion as regards to air travel. For those of you who uh, keep up with um, uh, what goes on in Washington, obviously, we have a new president. And he has introduced a significant number of travel restrictions, both uh, especially coming into the United States, which could affect your travel. So we're going to start off next week's show with a little primer on that so you don't get yourself confused. And next week's show will actually be about the Galapagos Islands with our dear friend Catherine Parker Magyar, who's coming back. Um, she's, she was actually there a year ago uh, before everything got shut down. So that'll be a, a really interesting show, Dave. Certainly, and she's got she's got a wealth of information to share as well. Yeah, so she she likes to have fun, and she's she's nuts, probably like me, but you know, that's probably why I like her so much. Anyway, let let's rock and roll with today's show. Um, let me get the housekeeping notes out of the way. Uh, you can catch our podcast at tripcast360.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Please share, subscribe, and like us with your friends and family. We are also planning to launch our photo of the month contest soon. Yeah, I know we've been promising it for a while, but with yeah. everything that's gone on and, and, and you know, the COVID stuff, we pushed it back just a little bit, but uh, it's coming. Trust us, it'll, it'll get there. And the details will be in our newsletter, posted on, our, on all of our social media platforms and on our website. And the best part, there will be a prize awarded to the winner. It'll also be on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And by the way, you can sign up on our website at tripcast360.com. Uh, there we've got loads of great information, including travel deals you might want to consider. Yeah, and also keep in mind, um, Dave was alluding to signing up for our newsletter. Yeah, we've published two so far. There will be a third one coming out within the next two weeks. Uh, and we're going to start uh, now that we have some sort of plan about what we think is going to happen in the travel industry later this summer. 
uh, we're going to be a little more robust and a little more informative as to what's going on in the industry coming up. Um, we we kind of slowed down the newsletter a little bit because things just were not happening, and then the holiday seasons came upon us. So uh, I, I think it's about time took the gloves off with the newsletter and and starting to really get into promoting travel with the understanding, of course, that it probably won't even return to some sort of modicum of normal for the entire year, but at least people will start getting out, um, you know, later this year. So without further ado, let's get our guest in here today. Our guest is Jay Rice. He has a passion for travel and a love for the great outdoors. He has, th- he has seen things that have renewed his faith in humanity and others that have shaken him to his core. Jay's had hair-raising encounters with wildlife, a few humbling experiences, and a few hilarious mishaps. Jay has written about travel, business, and other eclectic topics, all while running a tech business, consulting, and raising a family. We'll get into that and more with our newfound friend, Jay Rice. Welcome to TripCast 360, man. Hey, well, hey, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. I'm a big fan of the show, so I'm excited to be here. We're, we, we're a fan too, so thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to be. If you love travel, you know, you got to love the show, right? I mean. <laughs> you, you, you know, it, it's funny. When Dave and I started this, we were, it, it, it kind of didn't go in the direction that we thought it would, you know, because we, we had this idea pre COVID. And uh, it was meant to supplement some other things that we were working on in the travel and tourism space when, you know, we'd started off talking about the Olympics in Tokyo and things like that. And obviously that yeah. didn't happen. And so the show's kind of evolved in a, I don't want to say a different direction, but maybe a better direction. It's forcing us to think on our feet, uh, look for guests who don't always get the work, don't get a chance to speak about their travel experiences. So I'm, I'm, we're, we're both kind of pleased with where we're going. Yeah, most, most certainly Jay and Jay, I mean, welcome to the show again, Michael, just welcome you. I want to personally welcome you as well. Thank you. um, it, it, certainly. And in doing my research, I read where you said that you love to travel because you love meeting people and experiencing different, uh, different cultures. Where did you get that happy site? So exciting. Yeah, you know, um, it, it started, I think, at a young age. I mean, um, I just I wanted to get out. I wanted to see the world. I used to watch different uh, movies, TV shows about you know faraway places. And so I was fascinated. Um, and then when I went to college, um, I studied, uh, so I studied business and, uh, finance undergrad, but I went to grad school, started in a finance, uh, role, but th- it was just like, I-, I ended up working in accounting and I actually just hated it. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and so, you know, the world was, was, uh, was just, um, becoming more global trade was more go- global. So I switched to international business. Um, and where I was studying, they had this cool program where you could, uh, do study tours. And so I found out that, um, I could uh, do a study tour to Japan. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, one of my professors, uh, they had this in the fall, they had this Japanese culture course. And the guy was, um, he had lived in Japan after the uh, American occupation and married a Japanese woman. So I mean, he was like a wealth of information. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I had, I had that experience. And then I went to Japan the next semester on the study tour. He was the tour leader. Uh, you know, in the, in the interim, I had uh, taken Japanese on my own. Um, so I was definitely into that. Um, and then, uh, you know, just from there, it just, it just opened up my eyes to, you know, different cultures. Uh, I had been on some other trips before, like Canada or Mexico and stuff like that and throughout the United States. But, uh, you know, being in, a, in another country, another culture is so different as Japan was really just an incredible experience. Um, and then I ended up working. I was the U.S. CEO for a Dutch company. And so I got to travel to uh, the Netherlands. And then we had 
um, we had sales meetings in different places. Like we had a sales meeting in uh, Shanghai and uh, some in mm. Tokyo. So anyhow, so through that, and then what happened guys is about, um, geez, it was about 2008, 2009, my brother and I, we went on a trip with my dad um, to England and a lot of crazy, actually, uh, uh, even before that, when my dad retired, I took him to the Netherlands in Belgium and he absolutely loved it, loved it. And, mm. and, and so then the following year, we went with my brother, um, but the, like the, my dad, he made so many uh, gaffes, like cultural gaffes. It was just like ridiculous. I mean, so many funny stories that can tell about my dad, like just in England. I mean, so oblivious, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just like crazy stories. I mean, like I can remember, uh, he was ordering, he was trying to order a sandwich and we were in London and he's in the store and mm. it, it was like, I, I want to call this guy. He was like the sandwich Nazi. Okay. If you ever saw the <laughs> Nazi on, on, on Seinfeld, you know, remember yeah. Seinfeld mm. and everybody would like, like very humbly shift to the right in order from this guy and be like very scared because he would just like scream at you you know and my dad's hard of hearing so that didn't help because he had to like scream even louder you know and so my brother and i like ordered our sandwiches and we shifted over and then it was my dad's turn but it was all like just like italian stuff and my dad's just uh, he can be a goof sometimes and he ordered he ordered like a ciabatta panini and the guy was like <laughs> the guy was like sir that is two kinds of bread, <laughs> 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 you know, and, and, and we were just laughing. We were hysterically. The guy was like, what would you like? What is your order? And my dad got all flush, flushed. And he goes, chicken, fuck at you. And like, it was just <laughs> really, really funny, you know, because because that was an actual sandwich. But the way he said it was like, you know, like a swear back to the yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. Hysterical, yeah. you know. So we had it, all these crazy experiences with my dad. Um, and then my brother and I said, Hey, we got to do this. We have to travel before we get too old and we can't travel. So we said, yeah. you know what? Every year we're going to have an adventure trip. And so we had like, we've had like, you know, over 10 years of adventure. Trip. Wow. Yeah. You, you seem to have this great affinity for the outdoors. I, I noticed on some of mm -hmm. your blog posts, uh, you, you had mentioned Antelope Valley. You had gone, um, uh, through Northern Arizona quite a bit. You'd gone to a place near and dear to my heart, Zion, which is a national park, which is about yep. three hours from my front door. Um, you seem to have this love for that outdoor adventure and driving out in the middle of nowhere, which is where I come from. That's cool for me. Uh, yep. But a lot of people don't like that. They don't like to get off the beaten path. They all want to go to the big city stuff. Where did that that outdoor adventure love come from? Um, you know, growing up, uh, in new England. Uh, so I grew up, um, South of Boston and I lived in a small town. Um, and it was like a cow town, you know, <laughs> and, uh, uh, we, we had woods, you know, we had woods out back, uh, of my house and my brother and I would just explore the woods. I mean, we would, um, pretend that we were explorers, you know, on, on like a safari or trekking through the Amazon. Uh, we had great imaginations, you know, we still do. We're both authors and, uh, so um, we would just pretend, you know, we would pretend that we were out in the jungle. We would pretend that, you know, uh, we were being chased or that, you know, we were discovering new civilizations or these different things. The crazy thing about it is, you know, fast forward 20, 25 years after that, we, we've been to Easter Island. We've explored the Amazon. We've, you know, seen the pyramids. We've, we've done like all the things that we wow. drew up when we were younger. Which is pretty cool, actually. Now, not everything came true. Like, I'm not an astronaut, yeah, yeah, you know. Right. Uh, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's right. <laughs> you know, I'm not a quarterback. It's, those days have passed, you know. But 
we've been able to explore, we've been able to do those kind of things. So that's where it started. And, and it's just, there's, there's something about being in the great wide open in, in the expanses of nature that I think settles you as a person. It kind of like settles you at the core and, and humbles you when you see the, just the beauty of nature and, and the sheer you know, magnificence of things that are just created from the natural world. And so I love being in that. Yeah, I, I, I spent part of my, I spent four years of my childhood in Northern Maine. Oh, cool. uh, you know, my dad was in the Air Force and we lived up, um, it's a place called Loring Air Force Base, which is about, it's closed now, but it's about ooh, maybe 20 miles north of where Caribou is up in the, tucked away in the Northeast corner, right? Way up, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's way up. And I remember as a child doing exactly what you just described, going out as a child in the wide open spaces. We explored the woods, got lost a few times like an idiot, yeah. but that's what eight-year-olds do. Right. And you just hear this silence. Just, just like, you know, it's like you can almost hear a snowflake hitting the ground. It's that quiet out there. You know, you can hear the rustling in the woods of maybe an animal or a slight breeze that goes by you and stuff like that. And then as, as an adult, you know, I've lived in major cities most of my entire life since then, and I miss that quiet. So when I go on vacation now, I look for outdoor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, it's relaxing. And speaking of uh, Zion, tell people about Zion. A lot of people don't. There's a whole like Bryce Canyon, Zion, and stuff like that up tucked away in Utah's southeast corner, just uh, north of the Arizona border. Very few people have that I know of have experienced Zion and Bryce Canyon. But you actually have another experience like me. Very few people go to the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. They usually go to the South Rim mm, through Arizona. Right, they don't right. go to the North Rim because it's a little harder to get to. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so that trip was a couple years ago. And uh, what was really cool is, so we flew into Las Vegas. And uh, when, I was, um, when I was a teen, my dad took me to Las Vegas. And so, you know, one of the things about traveling, um, I, I think uh, you know, might agree, is that it, it brings you back to different memories in your life. Not only does it create memories, but you relive different things, different emotions or different, you know, periods of your life when you when you go on a trip. So as I'm flying into Las Vegas with my, you know, then teenage kids, I'm remembering when I was a teenage kid flying into Vegas, right? And reliving that. And so we went to Vegas, which is really cool. Uh, you know, the giant uh Vic the cowboy, you know, the guy, um, totally different. Uh, from my memory than what it is now. It's like, I, I couldn't find it. It was in like a mall. I was like, what, where, where, where's Vic? You know, uh, you know, it was just, you know, cra crazy things like that. Um, you know, where's Wayne Newton, right? You know, and you know, things like that. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, we drove from Vegas up to Zion and oh my God, you know, what a beautiful drive. Um, yeah. You know, it's just absolutely gorgeous. When you start to get through those mountain passes, I mean, I was driving. I was like having a hard time keeping my eyes on the road, you know, because like, <laughs> whoa, look at that. Whoa, that's just magnificent because you just don't see it uh, all the time, especially like unless you live in that area, you just don't get to see that landscape. And, you know, I just find it just really uh, amazing, especially like the different mineral deposits in the rocks, which create mm. different colors, you know, naturally yeah. and, and that kind of stuff, you know, from iron, de iron deposits and things like that. So we went up to, to Zion. It was totally different than I thought. Um, and it was just really gorgeous to be there. And we, um, we only had um, about uh, you know, part of a day uh, walking around in Zion. Um, it, was, it was a bit of a rainy day, but uh, we really enjoyed it. I mean, it was just absolutely gorgeous. We, we ate right in there. And then we uh, drove from there 
uh, down to uh, Horseshoe Canyon and then went on to, to the Grand wow. Canyon. You have traveled so much. You know? I mean, you've, you've had great, you, unique adventures. Is there one that stands out? To you, one that if someone said, "What's the what's the what's that unique adventure that you would love to do again?" Is there one that stands out? Um, you know, actually, a lot of them stand out. Um, you know, I also, <laughs> you know, I mean, they really do. Especially, you know, whether it's funny or you know, a lot of times on an adventure, you know, you just naturally you just don't predict what's going to happen, and so right, you know, crazy things can happen, mis mishaps, you know. Uh, wacky people <laughs> you meet, you know, um, like the like the cab driver in Egypt who demanded an extra fare, and he like the guy was like, you know, six foot six, you know, three hundred pounds, and he chased my brother and I into a hotel room. <laughs> like, gosh, gosh, I had to think really fast at that time because he was chasing us into this hotel room in Cairo, Cairo, and you had to go through metal detectors, and there was armed guards. It was like the place in Cairo. It was like a five star hotel, and yeah. so I actually. I actually had to tell the guards that he had a bomb on him and so that they surrounded <laughs> really? yeah, so that we could get the hell out of there. You know what I mean? And, and so we could join my friend for a drink by the pool. And so we had it anyway, anyhow, I'm getting out of a tangent, but um, you know, so there are all these crazy, you know, things that happen in these adventures. Um, and the other thing too, is, you know, the countries I've been, it's like, geez, I think it's like, it's like 30 plus countries. Um, I've, I've not been to a place that I just like, did not like or did not like the people. I always find something new that I learn about myself or about other people, you know? Um, so that's the thing. But one adventure that really stands out that, um, you know, that, that uh, I really love and, uh, is going to uh, the Peruvian Amazon. What's different about that? Um, well, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, as I mentioned, my brother and I growing up and exploring the woods. Yeah. It is the ultimate wood. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> okay. um, yeah, we, we, uh, we, this was a 2011 trip. So we've since been to the Amazon three times. We've gone to the oh, wow. uh, Southern Peruvian Amazon, the, the Northern um, Peruvian, you know, Iquitos, and then also to, um, uh, to Ecuador. Okay. And uh, so when we flew to the Southern Peruvian Amazon, um, we flew from Cusco down to a place called Tambapata. And back then it was like, we were in this, uh, turboprop plane, you know, and it was like maybe eight passengers and this airport was like in the jungle. Okay. And yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you know, they had to move, it seems like they had to move vines away, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like all these potholes. It was like Indiana Jones, man. It was like, we were flying into this place and, and, and it's just one big room. And the, the safari guide picks us up in a pickup truck. Um, and you know, we actually had to take, it was like a two hour, uh, van ride to the quote unquote port, which is really just like a, like a couple of outbuildings and a canoe. And then we took a motorized canoe four hours up river to one lodge. And then the next day we took another motorized canoe, another like three hours. We were at the, at the, uh, the farthest tip of, uh, civilization in that part of the Amazon. Um, there was us and bird researchers. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I saw a picture of you holding a snake and Michael would tell you my fear of snakes. Right. Was it on that trip? Uh, that it was actually, it was, it was on another trip. Um, we saw a lot of incredible wildlife, but that was on another trip. That was a, um, yeah, that was the, uh, the, uh, uh, boa, um, and man, that thing is massive. My brother and I hold is very heavy. And then when it, when it was, we were both holding it to pose for pictures. 
it started constricting, you know, <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it, it, anaconda, it, anaconda is what, yeah. It takes a lot of manhood to do that. Yeah, it takes a lot of foolishness, I guess. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, or you just, <laughs> yeah. or you no, just no, no. damn crazy. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm trying to keep the show clean, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was definitely, it was definitely a bit uh, scary. I mean, I don't, I don't particularly like uh, reptiles, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm petrified of crocodiles and alligators, um, and you know, being in places like in. Uh, uh, I'll tell you, do we have time for a quick funny story in the Amazon? Oh, yes. So, oh, yes. Oh, my yeah, God. I love I, it. So we had this incredible guide. And that's the thing, too. The naturalist guides that we've had and the places we've been have been just outstanding. So we had this guy named Oscar, and he was actually from a local uh, tribe. And I think his father, I'm pretty sure his father was a shaman. And this is interesting because on our last trip in 2019 to the Amazon, the guy's father, the guide's father was a shaman as well. And when that happens, these, these folks, they just tend to be so in tune with the jungle. He was just a wealth of knowledge and he was our private guide. So he, in this place mm. where we went, this, this Tambapata, um, it's called TRC, Tambapata Research Center. Um, it's definitely not for the casual, you know, cruising tourist or whatever. You got to be kind of, it's a rugged adventure. I mean, you, you're, you know, very, um, you, you got to walk like 30 feet, you know, to the, to the bathroom. It's like there's bugs, there's mud. I mean, it's just, it's pretty hardcore. But uh, anyway, we're, we're walking along. We left the, uh, the research center and, uh, and we see Oscar and he's like going, like, like looking at these branches and we had been walking for a while in the jungle and, you know, just in the middle of nowhere. And we're like, you know, Oscar, what are you doing? He says, Oh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a, a viper. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, one of the other guides said that there's a, uh, there's a viper that uh, hangs out on this tree and I wanted to show you guys. And mm. I said, I said, Oh, uh, those are pretty dangerous, right? He goes, Oh, Oh yeah. 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 Goes, yeah <laughs> just, 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 just casual very about it. Painful. Huh? Yeah. Very, he goes very <laughs> painful. If you get bit, you oh, it'll kill you. It's very painful. And I said, I said, huh, okay. I kind of like laughed nervously. I said, I said, you have the antidote back at the lodge, right? <laughs> and he goes, no. And then he keeps looking and he, and he says, and he's like, oh yeah. And he keeps talking about how painful it is. Like, he's like, it could be anywhere around here. He says, he says, especially the bleeding is painful. You start bleeding out mm. of your eyes. And I'm like, what? And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, and then, and then your blood, it like, it, it like it gets necropsy and it like, and you start to, and you start to shake it. I'm like, Oscar, you have the antidote back at the lodge, right? He goes, he goes, oh, oh, he goes, I thought you said, are we going back to the lodge? That's why I said no. <laughs> he says, yeah, I do have the antidote back at the lodge. I'm like, oh, God, thank God, you know. And, oh, uh, you man. know, so that was the kind of, you know, the kind of thing uh, with, with this guy. It, 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 it actually makes me wonder how many people actually get bitten by vipers out in the middle of nowhere. Good question. It, I, yeah. I, I mean, these guys, I mean, you're walking around carrying a 600-pound anaconda on your shoulders, which is nuts to me in the first place. But those vipers are small. They're fast. Uh, you know, you can actually accidentally step on one and it would bite you and you wouldn't even know you were bitten until you fell to the ground. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how often these guys have this happen to them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I know that it does. I, I know that it does happen, though. I've, I've heard stories because um, mm -hmm. I've always asked about that um you know i also like you know in africa there was um 
got to watch out for the um, the puff adder. There's something mm-hmm. called you know the puff adder yep. and the black mamba. So the crazy thing about the puff adder, right? And just kind of like talking about snakes for a <laughs> second, the puff yeah. adder. Most snakes feel the vibration on the ground of an animal or someone coming, and they will go away. The right. puff adder goes to it. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 actually, there was a guy, um, a native guide, when w- we were camping, we were bush camping in Botswana, and he had been bitten by a puff. Mm. Yeah, and and so when we were bush camping in Botswana, we actually had to dig uh, ditch uh, latrines, and what we had to do was we actually had you could not go to the bathroom alone; you had to have a spotter because of the fact that there could be a snake either in the latrine, or there could be like a leopard or something like that that, that would kill you and there was a story about six months before we had gone of tourists who had gone and they had uh someone had gotten killed by a black mama because what happens is a lot of people get bit like on the uh on the forearm because what happens is the the mama can stand up very high and it can actually leap about six feet and and so people like will you know put up their arm to defend themselves and they'll end up getting bit on the arm so yeah definitely no joke i mean uh when I was in Africa, it was the winter. So African winter is less likely to have uh, snakes. So I didn't really see any at that point, but uh, saw a lot of creatures in the Amazon though, including deadly spiders actually. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of those. Well, I've had my fill of snake discussion. Um, I've almost been bitten by a rattlesnake twice, once in Ooh. the face. Uh, I've had my experiences with Growing up in Florida and and on the golf course, was seeing alligators all over the place. And you know, I, I actually hit a golf ball once when I was in Orlando, and I couldn't see where the ball landed, but I knew it was to pop straight up in the air. I assumed I had hit a um, a branch or something. Mm-hmm. As I got about I mean, maybe fifty yards from where the ball actually wound up, I realized that it had hit a gator and bounced straight up in the air. Oh, um, so I'm oh. like, okay, uh, you know, I let the ball. One of my guys dared me to. Um, uh, go play the ball where it was. I said, uh-uh, not happening. Right. You know, I, I, you know, me and me and snakes and stuff like that. I, I have a healthy respect for them. Understood. Um, oh, no, nah, not, not happening. Um, you also spend a lot of time talking about culture when you travel. Yes. Um, and it is always appealed to me because I always, I'm of the opinion that if you go to somebody else's country, I don't want to just go to the tourist stuff. I want to get to know the people and the foods and, and the, mm. Uh, and the customs and stuff like that. And I noticed that you incorporate a lot of that into your travel and some of your writings and your blog posts. Um, how does, I, I mean, when you see a different culture, how does that uh, influence how you uh, uh, act when you like come back home? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the funny thing is like, I, I uh, have an affinity for all of the countries I've visited and all of the cultures. And so, you know, I'm in, I'm in business, I'm a marketing uh, consultant. And so uh, often I'll meet someone and they'll say, Hey, oh, yeah, I'm from Ecuador. And they'll not know uh, anybody um, or they'll not have met anybody in the US who may, might even be able to find Ecuador and know about Ecuador, you know, as an example. And I'll be like, Oh, yeah, where, whereabouts? And, you know, they'll start up a conversation and you have this instant bond when you're able to do that, especially if you appreciate the culture. And one thing my brother and I always do is before we, we go on a trip, we will actually study as much as we can about the culture and the language. So like, ask that question. Yeah, yeah. So like when I went to China, for example, even though it was a business trip, um, I ended up staying an extra week and just traveling. And prior to that trip, um, I was learning Mandarin for about six months. 
you know, nice. pri pri private lessons. And I have, um, you know, studied a lot about Asian culture. And so I was, you know, just learning a lot about the history of China and all that kind of stuff. So that when I got there, I, you know, had a clue about, you know, what was, you know, the country, the country was about historically and culturally. Um, and I've been, you know, fortunate to do that in uh, places like even Egypt, you know, my brother and I, when we went to Egypt, you know, we had, um, studied, you know, like watch the history channel shows and the pyramids and all that stuff. But we also hired a tutor who came to our house and uh, taught us some uh, Arabic, you know, so that we could say a bunch of things in Arabic. When nice. Prep, yeah. So it helps, it helps uh, tremendously, especially like, you know, I, I mean, I have a command of uh, conversationally of Japanese and um, I can get around like, you know, no problem. Um, but uh, I wouldn't recommend going without a guide to Japan if you really want to see the culture, because it can be very difficult if you don't know the language. Have have you ever mistakenly offended someone by not knowing the culture? I know you said that you prepare, you study, you do. I mean, you do your research. <laughs> right. But um, have you ever offended someone? And if you Pro do, how do you get out of that? How do you make good? <laughs> uh, I, I've probably done it more times than I realize because that's like <laughs> what happens, right? Because you don't even realize it when you're offending. But uh, I'm trying to think if I can. Uh, if I can think of any specific instances, um, none come to mind at the moment. But you know, there are all these different taboos in different cultures that are, yeah. um, you know, that we're not used to. Maybe here in the United States or in or Europe, um, that like if you do them when you're in the other culture, it can just be, um, you know, it could be looked down upon and you know, things like that. So uh, we always try and find out what those rules are uh, before we go. Uh, and invariably we ended up break, breaking them a bunch of times, <laughs> but we're like, we'll, we'll remind each other. My brother and I will remind each other about it. Uh, you know, so, um, and even in Japan, like, which I've, you know, been fortunate to study in and I've been to like, I don't know, eight times now. Um, uh, I'll still go and mess things up, you know, but uh, yeah. Cause I never, I never understand. I think it's in, Michael, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's in Saudi Arabia where men hold hands while they're walking. I can't imagine myself <laughs> adapting to that culture. Yeah, yeah. The, the uh, I, I, we saw that. Um, we saw that a little bit in places like Egypt. We saw that in um, Morocco a little bit. We saw that in. Uh, we went to the airport in um, Dubai, and mm -hmm. we saw that. Yeah, very different. Yeah, very, very uh, unusual. Yeah. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, <laughs> we, we were in uh, Nepal. <laughs> we were in Nepal. This is really funny. We were in Nepal, and we were actually coming down. Um, we, uh, we'd like to also try and do as much good as we can, you know, put as much right. good in the world. And so we donated a bunch of stuff, uh, supplies, school supplies to a uh, nice. village in Nepal after the earthquake, my brother and I did. Um, and so we were coming down after that experience and there was, a, um, a lot of, uh, loose, uh, rock on the mountain and like, uh, water and people were falling. And so this, uh, Nepalese guy, uh, came up and took me by the hand and led me down this little Nep Nepalese guy, um, you know. And my brother's like, you going to get married now or what? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm already married, man. Hey, you can't, you know. Because <laughs> you know? like, like I got even long after I was out of danger, he was still holding my hand. It was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, man. I appreciate yeah. the concern, you know, but, you know, just different culture, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you know, uh, the, the idea of experiencing all these different cultures, it's something that I, I wish more Americans would do. Yes. Um, I, you know, I, I, when we started this podcast, actually, when I started in travel and tourism as a business back in the days when I ran the Travel Channel back in the late 90s, only about 12% of Americans even had a passport. 
Wow. Um, I think that's up to like 30% now, but those passports are being not used, not just because of COVID, they're just not being used. So people are not getting a chance to touch other cultures and they don't realize, yeah, they, the, there's a similarity, there's a symmetry between all these cultures that actually, if you take the time to understand them, um, they fit. You know, it's like this glove, they just fit it. And, and you know, you, you bring some, like when I was in Spain, the people of Spain are very outspoken, they're very, but they're loving and warming people. They'll grab you, you know, uh, you, you know, they love the party, they like to have a good time. And for most Americans, that's kind of an anathema to what we really do because Americans right. are kind of, you know, you know, they're stiff. And so I, I I keep the reason Dave and I keep talking about culture. And as you can tell, Dave's from Barbados. It's like I, I love that welcomingness of when I walk into another country. They don't care about American politics or anything. They just care that you're there. Yep. That's right. Yep, that's right. That's right. Now, I, I mean. You know, I've seen so much. I mean, you know, but, I mean, we're all on a planet together. Right. right. And, um, you know, we have to figure out how to, uh, you know, keep and, and, um, uh, be smart about how we conserve the resources of this planet and how we treat each other, because, you know, we're all in this together. And I think when you travel, you kind of see that you see that people have the same hopes and fears and dreams, you know, that other people have wherever you're coming from, really, it's, you know, it's like, we're all going through the human condition, you know? Yeah. Um, we have pain, we have suffering, we have joy, we have all the range of emotions. Exactly. Yeah. No, and I agree with you. You've gone to a lot of places. You said 30 countries. Is there a place you want to go that you haven't been? Uh, let's see. Yeah, there are actually quite a few. But besides um, besides Barbados. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you know what? I was just, I, I've heard that Barbados, he's talking about welcoming cultures, is an incredibly welcoming culture. It um, is. Yeah, that's, you know, that's my surprised if people are friendly and, um, around the Christmas time, I guess they party, like there's parties in the streets and everybody's just in a great mood. And, you know, yeah. I, I've, I've heard, I was, I was reading a, a book about a father and son who canoed from, um, uh, Winnipeg down to the, the Amazon and they really? stopped in, wow. yeah, and, they, and they stopped in Barbados. It was an incredible journey. It was like the farthest canoe trip in history. And it's not, I'm reading the book. Um, the book came out like 15, 20 years ago. I bought it like a yard sale or something. Okay. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they stop in Barbados and they're like, man, this is awesome. This is great. The people are so friendly. So I would like to go to Barbados. Actually, I'm not, I'm not BSing you, but when I read that in the book, I was like, wow, that's cool. Oh, see, now you gave him a big hit. Okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Listen, uh, keep talking, Jay. Keep talking. Man, just keep talking. <laughs> you bet. You bet. Um, yeah, you know, so, so, I, so I really appreciate that, you know, that, that welcoming um, aspect of cultures. And so that, that's a place I'd like to check out. Um, I'd also, uh, I've flown into Iceland, but I've never, you know, been anywhere but the airport in Iceland. Uh, mm. So that, you know, that's a place that seems uh, very interesting. Um, and also, you know, my, my family and I, we, before COVID, we were looking at going to Tanzania and we were going to actually volunteer. There's like a school thing you can volunteer to teach English and, you know, play soccer and all this kind of stuff um, at a school. Uh, so we were thinking about doing that. I was going to fly in with my family and my wife and two kids. And then uh, my brother was going to fly in and we were going to climb Kilimanjaro. That's been on our you know, radar for a long time. You mentioned COVID. How has COVID, um, what impact have COVID had on you? I don't mean in terms of getting ill, but in terms of traveling and business, et cetera. Well, I mean, in terms of business, I'm fortunate because I work from home and, you know, I do 
marketing, consulting, digital marketing, and I have a software business. I do all that from home. Um, mm-hmm. And so I can transact business. I can communicate like this, you know, over, you know, um, whether it's Zoom or, you know, whatever I can do that um, online. So that's not a big deal. But travel completely um, decimated, in, in my opinion. Um, so I run a, a Facebook group uh, called Adventure Travelers Club. Uh, just a shout out to anyone who's listening uh, from good. Adventure Travelers Club. And uh, yeah, everybody's welcome to, to join. Um, and it's about 1,200 members now worldwide. And uh, only a small percentage of members have continued traveling through COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ones who have, have said good things. You know, they've said that, you know, they felt safe. They've said that uh, when they went to a, a country, like one woman, one woman went to Tanzania, actually, for her 50th birthday, and then she climbed Kilimanjaro. Um, so she said that was very, um, you know, she, she felt comfortable. And then others have gone to, you know, different places in the U.S., like Disney and stuff. But way down, way down compared to, you know, because um, I started the group in 2019 and, you know, it was just growing mm-hmm. like gangbusters. And then all of a sudden, uh, everything put a stop on it. I mean, I was even looking at a trip to Hawaii over this past Christmas, but, um, you know, you'd have to quarantine when you get there. And it's just, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of unknowns. I think it's starting to clear up, um, but there's still a big hesitancy, both, you know, among my, like myself and members of my group and people that I know. Michael will tell you, man, the, you know, he's, he's close to McCarran airport in Vegas. And he'll tell you that those planes are flying in and out. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I'm nothing si- happened. Yeah. I'm sitting here staring out my window now. And just in the last 15 minutes, I probably counted two dozen planes just flying by. Oh, wow. Um, it, and we only have 25% capacity in the Las Vegas strip. And yet they're still flying in and out of here like crazy. And I live right off of mm-hmm. interstate. 15, which is the primary feeder route to the Los Angeles area from my house to LA is four hours and the traffic on the weekends. I don't know where these people are going. Um, Hmm. It's just amazing to me that, you know what it is? I think people are just COVID fatigue and I think they're willing to risk just dropping their guard a little bit and and getting out. And I don't blame them. I mean, honestly, I'm having COVID fatigue, um, you know, Travel isn't the only thing I do for a living. Uh, you know, I, I work in the entertainment industry as a producer as well, and I can't do what I want to do because uh, I can't risk, you know, cast and crew getting sick. Right. So I, I put a, a stop to that. But yeah, these planes are, are are going, and they're coming from all over the world, and they're still coming here. And I'm like just shaking my head because uh, because we're told one thing, and then I'm seeing something else. You know, we're told everybody stay at home, don't fly, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm seeing all these planes and, and I don't know if they're full or not that I, that I, I can't testify to that, but I, I know they're coming at a rapid clip. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's scary. And I, I'm not anticipating, I don't know how this vaccine's going to work. Uh, I, I, I'm anticipating that uh, I, I heard Dr. Fauci mention yesterday that he doesn't expect herd immunity until sometime this summer. Right. Um, right. And that's assuming they hit all their projections. So, but it's just wiped out this industry. And, and I, uh, I'm wondering because most countries around the world travel is either first, second, or third in terms of their uh, uh, um, uh, industry. Yes. And especially like where Dave's from in the Caribbean, it is number one. If without yeah. travel, you have oh, yes. money. Right, and right. it's just wiping people out. I mean, I've seen what it does. Las Vegas has the highest unemployment rate in the nation because most of these people work in hospitality. Wow. So, yeah. you know, this, this is a this is a scary time. But I think that um, when we come out of COVID, the pent up demand is going to exactly. just explode. And exactly. I, 
I, I think with what you're doing with your group, I think just keep them engaged, man. Just keep them talking about it and stuff like that. We'll, we'll get out of this on some level. Um, you know. I agree. Yeah, totally agree. No, I think it's going to be like a huge uh, pent up demand. I mean, it's going to bounce back. It's going to go gangbusters, I think, once once we get past this hurdle. But let's hope that the airlines don't take advantage of that demand and raise start raising prices to some ridiculous fears to some ridiculous pricing. By by the way, Jay, you mentioned your list of places that you wanted to go. Is mm-hmm. Ant- is Antarctica on your list? Because that's where yes. I want to go. Okay, yes, it I'm is. just it checking. Is. So hey, it is. You, you got a friend here. His name is Michael. So that when you plan that <laughs> trip, just I am not. Absolutely. I am not. I am not going any place that is frigid cold. <laughs> you know, it, it was funny. I, my girlfriend and I were watching the Discovery Channel the other day, and they had this big old piece about Antarctica. Mm-hmm. I stopped what I was doing. I was working on something, and I just stopped. I, I was yeah. glued to the. T- Don't ask me what fascinates me about Antarctica. I cannot explain it. Maybe it was the four years in northern Maine. I don't know. But it's just like, it just fan, it's just one of those things. I want to get on a boat and go. But by the time you I get there, well. by the time you get there, by the time you get there, the glaciers would probably be melted and gone. Wouldn't see oh, what you I expected hope not. to see. God, I hope not. Oh, <laughs> I hope not. I, I, no, it's I'm, just, I'm just giving Michael a hard time. He knows I don't mean <laughs> God, I hope not. I know. I know. No, I've heard of people who have gone and they've, they've said, you know, it's just absolutely incredible that, uh, you know, you know, talk about uh, being uh, in in the wide open. Um, yeah. You know, and away from everybody else, and uh, just unique. Um, so yeah, I, I would love to go. That's definitely uh, my list. Just stay away from the polar bears, man. I was. Reading, oh my gosh! Yeah. I was reading that those those things can outrun you. They, they can say that you. Yes, they'll hunt they you can. down too. Yeah. yeah, they will. They said they said the fastest man in the world, Usain Bolt, he runs about twenty four miles per hour. And a black bear can run, I think they said about 35 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, crazy. No, no, thank you. Did you, uh, I, no. I noticed on your, it says, what are some of your unique adventures? Trekking in the Himalayas. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, that was uh, 20, I want to say 2016 or 2017. My brother and I uh, went to Nepal and uh, we, uh, we were just two weeks uh, solid in, in Nepal uh, you know, started in Kathmandu, and uh, have you guys been to Kathmandu? It's an interesting place. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very interesting place. Um, and uh, so we went from uh, all the places, the touristy places in Kathmandu, or the cultural places. Um, and you know, it was a bit of a culture shock. I mean, um, a, a lot of the places that they show in Kathmandu, by the way, are in the movie um, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So my kids were watching the other day. Said, "Hey, I've been there. I've been there." You know. Um, but we were actually uh, in the area called the Monkey Temple, uh, which is shown, part of it shown in, in the Doctor Strange movie. But as you cross over um, this uh, river, the Trishili River, they actually have the ghats where they do the cremations. Uh, so that's pretty, uh, it's pretty sobering. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Um, you can imagine we're, we're like just going around this corner and there are different uh, platforms with all different uh, stages of people and cream being cremated um it takes about four hours for their body to completely like turn to ash um on these pyres and so there were some that were ash there were some that uh one was just starting um and it reminded me there's there's a book called the snow leopard mm-hmm. yeah fantastic book about travel um and the author of that book peter matisse and he's he witnessed the same thing 
in the same place. And he said uh, basically that it reminded him of his own footsteps along the life path, right? That, that uh, you know, that he could hear his own footsteps, but he knows that, you know, that there's a finite amount of time before he'll also be going to the next life. And so it was very sobering to be there. You know, you think about how uh, brief a, one life is in the, in the um, in eternal time. So, uh, right. so anyway, so that was, that was a very interesting experience. And we went uh, down uh, into the, uh, the Himalayas um, trekking um, on, I think it was called the, um, I want to say it was um, Pokhara. It was in po- Pokhara, which is a very popular circuit. And we had these two guides um, and one of them was absolutely horrible. One of them was pretty good, but uh, it was funny because we had uh, experience with Amazon uh, guides, like I mentioned in uh, guides, you know, like in places like Africa where they could tell you everything. You could just point at something and, and they were like an encyclopedia. This guy, like give an example, was like, you know, what kind of tree is that? And he'd be like, local tree. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, like that's it, you know, like, like not like it's, you know, been around for 250 years or you can eat the bark and it turns you to Superman or like whatever, like, no, it's lo- local tree. And that, that's kind of how it went on. It, it, funny too, like as we're starting that walk in the Himalayas, um, I had an umbrella because it was, you know, it's always raining up there. And, and uh, I said, do you think I need, I'll need this to so the guide? He goes, leave in the car. Right. So like 15 minutes later, we're walking through this village. It starts to rain. I don't have my umbrella. <laughs> he pulls out his umbrella. He brought his own umbrella. Told me not to bring my umbrella. Left, left you hung out to dry. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. My, my brother's like, oh man, he got you big time, big time, right? You know, and, and, and it just like went on like that for like four days, man. As we're like, it's just so many goof ups. I mean, like another example is, um, this is our first experience with the leeches. We were walking, you ever see Forrest Gump where he's like, we had rain that came down from sideways rain. We had up, down rain. We had fast rain, yeah. slow rain. We had torrential rain, you know, like every kind of rain you could possibly imagine, you know, and we're walking through um, this area in the Himalayas and it's just coming down and just in buckets. It's just coming down sideways. It's just torrential and there's leeches everywhere. Yeah. And so we were getting these leeches on us. And so we basically, we, we go to this, uh, this little place for some ramen noodles, like this lunch place. And we're, we're getting rid of the leeches out of our boots and everything. And there was, and, 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 uh, anyway, so we have these leeches on us and then like, like the last day, like literally like the last day of the hike, the guide points out how to avoid leeches. <laughs> oh, hey, nice of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that would have been pretty useful four days ago, buddy, oh. you know, you know, you know, so it's, it was that kind of thing, you know, but, uh, with the guide, cause we always have these little, you know, funny things that happen, but, uh, but in terms of, uh, trekking and, and the view, the view was absolutely Sounding. It was just really incredible. Like we would, we would uh, trek up to these different uh, mountain huts and we'd stay in the mountain huts. And uh, one of them was um, at the highest point was literally in the clouds, in the clouds. It was a village that's at the top of this mountain. It's at about like 13,000 feet. And it's all, it's all year round, except for maybe one or two months. It's just shrouded in clouds. You're just living in a cloud city. It's just like, like the coolest thing, you know? Um, so yeah, we really loved it. I mean, we loved going through the little villages. People would wave to us, um, mm-hmm. kids would wave to us and stuff. And so we went uh, all through there. Um, and then we went, uh, we ended up going through Nepal doing whitewater rafting and then down into the, uh, uh, the jungle, um, area as well. So yeah, uh, yeah chit one, chit one, uh, chit watch, one. watch the snakes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they, they have, well, we actually went on foot and, tra- and uh, tracked a rhino, uh, which was probably pretty stupid but uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah 
you've you've traveled the globe, you've done a lot of outdoors and so on. You've seen nature at its best. I'm certain you've probably seen some instances where nature is being exploited, trampled upon, and so on. Um, how has this shaped you and in terms of your view in the supreme being, the God, how has, how has this impacted you? Well, uh, thank you for the question. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely impacted me, uh, very deeply. In fact, if we have a chance to talk again, I just, I had uh, just written a book about my trip to, um, Ecuador and, uh, that was released, uh, last, uh, last summer. Um, and just in paperback just a few months ago. Uh, and all right. Before you go, tell us the name of the book so we and where yes, to get it. Yes, absolutely. It's called All That Was Revealed, What the Shaman Taught Me. And you can get it on Amazon.com, yeah. uh, paperback or in Kindle. Um, and so it goes through this whole process of um, what um, was a shamanic ceremony and all of the things that were revealed to me in the shamanic ceremony, uh, which were very profound, you know, uh, things... Because when you go through a shamanic ceremony, shamans believe in, um, you know, in, in alternate uh, realities. Essentially, they believe that, uh, you know, that we can tap into the world of our ancestors. They believe that plant uh, medicine actually can help us see the world and see things in a different way. And a lot of what they believe is at the intersection of quantum physics and ancient religions. Um, as a matter of fact, shamanism is the oldest religion. If you go back, so uh, so that book, uh, we might you know chat about that at some time. It would be nice to connect with you guys again. But, but to answer your question, um, David, is that, uh, I, I definitely believe that there is something more uh, going on than what we experience in our day to day, that there's some kind of a, um, a God, a Supreme, uh, some type of order to the universe. There's things that just, there's too many things that happen, um, that are synchronistic, that are improbable that happen. Um, you know, there's things in my life that have happened lucky circumstances, fortuitous events, um, unlikely things to think that it was just all an accident. In fact, us sitting here, we've all won the lottery by the fact that we were born, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. If you think about it, um, we're, we're more likely to win the Powerball than you are to be born. That's true. That, 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 that is scientifically and mathematically true. Uh, yep. even though I did try to win the Powerball last week, by the way, um, <laughs> but, me as well. Me as well. yeah, we, we lost, but anyway, um, but no, I think your point about, uh, I, I took a, a undergraduate course when I was in college called the history of religion. And we spent mm. probably the first, I'm guessing two or three weeks, just talking about shamanism and things like that. And I agree with you. I don't believe in just random coincidence. We are being put in certain places for a reason. And, you know, something as, as sobering as, you know, my mom who passed away last year, I never intended to move to Las Vegas. I, I, this is not one of the places that I would have lived, especially with what I do for a living, but I wound up being here. Well, it wound up being for two of this because my mom had Alzheimer's and I had, I wound up being her primary caregiver. I can go through a whole bunch of things that have happened in my life that there is some higher power, higher being, however you want to phrase it. And I know Oprah used to catch hell for saying higher power, but you know, that she left it open. So everybody's religious yeah. views could be brought Agreed. in. Agreed. There's things that have happened to me that I cannot explain, you know, and I'm a logical person. I'm one of those people who connects dots. There are just some things you just can't connect the dots. You know, there's some force out there moving pieces around, like on a chessboard, but you're not aware of it. Exactly. And I, and I think your experience with shamanism highlighted that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, like I said, it'd be great. We could have like a, an amazing conversation just on, on this aspect of it. Um, but, uh, I also think that I, I want to uh, point this out too, cause I think it's very important that, um, that nature is in peril right now. Our planet is in peril. And I used to be now, you know, go back 20, 25 years, you know, graduate from business school. Um, I, I used to like laugh at Al Gore, you know, <laughs> Oh yes, <laughs> you know, the guy who invented the internet, right. He's going to go get yeah. the green, green police and he's got to arrest us yeah. for throwing our trash can out of the ground or whatever, or, uh, you know, trash in the ground. Now I, uh, I, I think, he's, I think he's a hero, right. Because it's like, you know, we are, everything is connected. Um, you know, if, if, if insects stopped, if, uh, were wiped out of existence, we would be wiped out of existence within like six yeah. months. Yeah. Because they they help they pollinate their food for pollinators you know they they help supply the food chain on and on so even the smallest things in our environment are important to our environment and you'd have to be a fool to think that uh, global warming is is not really happening just go to the NASA website and they'll show you satellite images I mean it's yep. you know and it's we got to we have to do something about it because it's it's not like our planet or China's planet it's it's all of our planet right and if we don't do something about it. We're gonna uh, gonna have our kids and our grandkids are gonna inherit a world where you know it's not gonna be the, like the world we live in today. It's gonna be a place that maybe uh, like every day every day might be worse than COVID because they they can't grow crops or who knows what, right? So we have to do something. And when I see exploitation of uh, resources like um, in the Amazon, uh, like these amateur uh, gold uh, miners, they pollute the the river with uh, mercury when they extract the gold. It's just horrible. We just have to try and stop that stuff. When I see people who go out and kill animals for fun in Africa, it makes me sick. It really makes me mm -hmm. sick. Yeah. Um, you know, the only thing animals should be shot with is a camera, I think, unless you're, you know, unless you're actually, you know, har harvesting for food, but, uh, or it's like game and it's kind of controlled, but the people who do it for trophies are just, um, that's completely against what I believe in. Yeah. That, that, that type of thing drives me crazy. And actually, crazy. yeah. And what you just highlighted is the value of travel. Because you get to see the good and the bad uh, and the ugly too. Because I I'm, I detest uh, hunting for f anything other than food. It just yep. trophies and getting yep. the horns of a, a, a of a tusk of an elephant to hang it's in your disgusting. office. Oh, Man, don't get me started on that because I could spend hours just having that discussion as well. I, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. But I think travel highlights how interconnected we all are. If you yeah. have the adventurous spirit to get out of your own backyard and go to another country, you have the capacity to understand that we're all in this planet together and things that we do are the same. I'll, I'll go back just to yeah. kind of further embellish what you just said. I told you when we started this conversation, Las Vegas hadn't had a drop of rain in 180 days. This is all, in my opinion, directly related to climate change. Yeah. Because even though we only get two or three inches of rain a year, which is a normal weather pattern for this area, those fires that have burned in, in um, Northern California, the fires that have burned in Washington and Oregon, the fires that burn in Colorado area where I grew up uh, as a child, and I grew up in a bunch of places, but that was one of them. Those did not happen when I lived there. There's just been this evolution of right. time of just things just getting worse and worse and worse. And if we don't right. deal with it, we're in trouble. Exactly. Totally agree. And it's not, you know, here's the thing, which, which is like, it also makes me sick when people make it a political thing. It's not a left versus right. right. It's not a Republican Democrat. It's a citizen of the planet thing. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. We had um, uh, General Russell Honore on um, 
Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, about maybe two months ago. And of course, he's a native Louisianan. And he was oh, he was uh, going through the science of of hurricanes and why they've become uh, more disastrous in the last decade in particular. I mean, we ran out of, keep in mind, we ran out of the alphabet for hurricanes this past season. I know. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the marshlands of New Orleans and the sinking of the city and all this stuff like that. All of this is interrelated. Forget what man did to New Orleans in terms of dredging the canals. This fact that all this is happening is actually ruining the planet. And we've got to fix this. Totally agree. Totally agree. And we got to move away from, you know, the fossil fuels and all those kind of things as well. And, and you know, uh, ideally, you know, here's, here's the thing that's a little bit, uh, um, uh, how, how can I say it? Uh, um, a catch 22 is that when you fly, you know, there's a lot of emissions, but the airline industry is working on that. You know, it's working on that. So you want to get out and, and you want to see the world. Um, but you do want to be cognizant of the fact that, um, you know, you are a polluter when you get out there and move. It's just that, um, you know, I don't think it's something that you need to sit there, uh, in, in, uh, eternal guilt about it. It's just something you have to recognize. Um, and, yeah. uh, and, and also, uh, support industries that are helping to do things like they're working on, uh, different types of efficiently burning uh, fuels for airplanes, for example, or uh, solar or different things like that for planes. Um, you know, so so that would be fantastic if we can do that. And we can see the world, um, you know, without uh, impacting the, the planet negatively by going and doing that. And that's the other thing, too, is like leaving a small footprint when you go. You know, I heard I heard something once <clears throat> that it's it's always better to try to leave a place better than you found it in many ways. Yeah. And even like this guy gave an example of when when you leave the hotel room, Shut the light out. Don't just leave it on because someone else is paying for it. Be the person who shuts the light out. Leaves a you know so, so a little extra for the people cleaning up. Don't just make it extra sloppy just because you paid for it. You know, be be a giver back. You know, not just a taker from. Taker, right. Right. Yeah. Now I got you. I got a couple silly travel questions to ask you as we sure. start to wrap up here. Yeah. The, the first silly travel question I have to ask you is how do you adjust for altitude. You have been to Kathmandu, you've been to the, uh, the parts of Peru and Ecuador, which are seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, in Kathmandu's case, 13,000 plus feet above sea level. As a child who grew up in Colorado Springs for part of my childhood, and it's 6,000 feet above sea level, tell people how you adjust for altitude. Very badly. <laughs> no well you know that it's it's really hard to 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 uh adjust for altitude effectively um consistently i guess um but uh one of the things that i do is i make sure that i'm extremely well hydrated yeah uh, so but not only do you need the liquid hydration you need electrolytes in your yes. system as well mm -hmm. so there's a there's something you can get on amazon called uh, salt stick they're tablets and I'll take those with me. There's a liquid uh, IV, uh, and that's a mix, and it's the best one I found out there. Um, and you basically just put that in your water. And so hydration is key. Do not drink a bunch of beers if you go to like Cusco, you know, where it's like in the middle of the mountains, and stay out, you know, in a club or whatever, like a pub, like an Irish pub, like my brother and I did, because I woke up and it felt like a 747 like landed on my head. It was just horrible, <laughs> horrible. But uh, you know, and that's funny because like when I was in. Um, Japan a couple of years back with my family, we climbed Mount Fuji and there was a bunch of guys uh, from, uh, I think Ireland or Scotland. And they had, they were, you know, young, strong, young guys. They had climbed up ahead of us and they were drinking a bunch of beers to celebrate. And I said to my wife, man, they're going to be hurting tomorrow. Yes, they sure are. Enough, <laughs> sure enough. They looked miserable the next day. And you could just tell because you know, that, that altitude creeps up on you. So you have to stay hydrated. 
Um, on the airplane, you need to move around. Um, you know, because you don't want to get uh, DVT, deep, deep vein thrombosis. So you have to get up, you have to move around, you have to stretch. Um, I also like to use melatonin um, to adjust just to the time change as well. It, not necessarily with altitude, but you take melatonin as an over-the-counter supplement, which resets your body clock when you land in a new time zone. Well, that that was my second silly question was the melatonin issue. So I'm glad you covered it without me asking. No, I, and I think these are important travel tips to to share with people. Uh, especially if you're adventurous, there's things that you have to adjust for in every climate. You know, it's one thing to adjust for cold weather. It's another thing to adjust for altitude. I've seen more people get altitude sickness than I can count, yeah. especially when I was in Colorado and they would go up to the ski resorts in Vail and Aspen. You know, those are 13,000 feet above sea level and you're trying to ski down a mountain and you're not adjusted to it. Not going to happen. Right. Very difficult. When you travel to some of these places, because you mentioned that you do your research in terms understanding the culture, et cetera, your, your work involves being online. Yeah. So I would imagine that you check for stable internet access. Those are some of the tips I would imagine that you would recommend. Yes. Um, well, it, you know, it really depends on the, um, I like to think every trip has a little bit of a, like a theme to it or like, um, uh, maybe I want to say goal. I kind of use that term loosely, but you know, is, is it like a relaxing vacation if you're traveling? Is it a uh, cultural exploration? Is it, you know, an adventure? Is it fitness? Mm -hmm. You know, what are the, what are the things that you're trying to accomplish? So, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I, I always look for that. So if, if it's a work vacation or if I have to work, I'll definitely look for high speed internet access, uh, Wi-Fi availability, things like that. Um, I'll want to know, you know, which, which device should I bring? Um, there's like uh, these little chargers you can bring that actually will uh, hold a phone charge or an iPad yeah. charge and you can pre-charge them, um, you know, and also different plug adapters. You got to make sure you have different plug adapters. Uh, but typically if I go on an adventure trip, like with my brother and we're, you know, bush camping or something like that, I won't bring my laptop. I'll just bring my phone. Uh, I want to disconnect. I want to completely, it's very hard to imagine for a lot of type A personalities, but uh, I'll just set everything up in advance. And I'll be able to check in. Um, I'll, I have a set of procedures for being out of my office. I did this even when I had a you know, larger staff and I had you know um, different businesses that I operated. Uh, I would make sure that I actually um, empowered my staff to take uh, action, and I would let key customers know before I left. You know, so I had a whole procedure um, so that I could disappear for a couple of weeks and completely recharge the batteries. And I've done that for you know 14, 17, 20 days, just kind of like drop off the map for a while. I love it. Yeah. It's about it's about planning and structure and it is it is all the yeah. key elements yeah it, it yep. is yep 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 my final question has to do with you are very close to your brother and your wife and kids family is a big big deal for you and I uh, coming from Dave and I both who family is everything for us uh, we really appreciate you uh, and the love that you have for your family I, I, it shows and I think it's a a, a a value that I think more people should share. Um, when you travel with your family, I know I've heard all the stuff about with your brother, mm -hmm. but when you travel with your wife and kids, how is do you adjust your expectations a little bit? I know your kids are a little bit older now, but you know, you're, you know, I've got a son who's 33 years old and Dave's got kids in his thirties as well. So we don't get to do what we used to do with them. Mm -hmm. uh, matter of fact, they don't want to have anything to do with us half the time. But that's okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, as you were, embarking on this adventurous travel, uh, how did you incorporate your family and how did, how did they take to it? Yeah. Um, you know, I, have uh, shifted, um, in terms of, um, you know, when I have plans now, it's not, uh, just my, my brother and I, it's also, you know, playing with my family. And, uh, the way that I look at it and my wife looks at it as well is that 
we're really investing in their perspective um, of you know being able to experience different cultures and ex- experience different places in the world. And that's an education. So it's really an investment in their education and an investment in memory. So like, for example, we went, um, it was a dream of mine to do this with my family, to take them to the Christmas markets in Germany. And mm-hmm. we did that in 2019. Um, we, we were in uh, Germany. Uh, we started in England and we went to Germany with my two kids, uh, my, my daughters. Uh, so I have two daughters and at that time, uh, 16 and uh, 14. Um, and so basically uh, that was, you know, for them an amazing experience because they were actually able to, you know, to see two new countries. And my, you know, so my expectation is definitely when I'm traveling my wife and kids, it's not going to be rugged. You know, it's not going to be like, um, you know, I, I want to minimize the suffering <laughs> portion of it. You know what I mean? Um, but then again, you know, when we went to, so I, I went to Japan also with them in 2018 and we climbed Fuji, as I said, and we also stayed in some hostels. Um, I don't want to make it all about five. That, that's just my uh, thing too. I don't want to make it all about like, you know, five-star resorts or whatever, when I take them to another country, because I want them to experience the culture. And if, if we do that from a, you know, Grand Hyatt or whatever, it's just, it's a different, it's, we could do that in Boston, you know? So like we stay at, a, we might stay at a hostel. We might, you know, go on a, a wilderness trek or something like that. Uh, little by little. Uh, you know, I'm getting them to expand their horizons. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been prepping them for years for a trip to the Amazon. You know, the funny thing is, if you're, you know, for anyone who is a parent and has uh, younger kids, you can imagine, especially with two girls, I'm always like, "Daddy spider!" You know, it's my, it's my responsibility, right? <laughs> oh my god, get the spider! It's like this little thing, like a daddy long legs, and 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 I'll be, I'll be up there talking about the spider, like this little thing. What? I mean, you know, this is a good part of your, your uh, the home's ecosystem. You know, these guys eat. And I'll just kind of go off on, you know, this isn't a member of the arachnid family. And my, my daughter will be on the bed going, I don't care about the science. Stop the breaching. Just get rid of that thing. Just kill it. Get it out. And like a lot of times, you know, I will take it. And I'll just flick it out the window or something like that. I say, look, hey, kid, you know, just because you can kill something doesn't mean you should. Right. Right. Yeah, that's um, right. That's you know, right. If it's a mosquito, different story. I actually put a bounty on them. In my house, in my house, I mean, you know, bats eat them and they are. I found out they are important for bats to eat um, and other things for for pollination. But anyhow, like I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to transition my kids so that when we go to the Amazon, they won't freak out when they see like a moth the size of my hand or something. You know, <laughs> Ray, yeah. Ray Rice, the science guy. I got it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. How has travel changed you as a person? From the I'm looking at it from the angle in terms of if you had any misconceptions that traveling has really cleared that up for you. Um, you know, I, I did, uh, like, I do think I would have, um, had a, a definite misconception about some of the places I had been to, if I had not been to them. Um, and I think that's important because in, in today's society, we can easily, um, you know, read about something and think we know about it without actually experiencing it, experiencing it. And it's, and it's hard to really know something or know the people of a country, unless you've really experienced that country. You know, so you can have an opinion on all kinds of places and what they should do and they should do this, they shouldn't do that. But unless you've been there, you can't really speak that clearly and intelligently about it. Um, you know, it really helps to be there. And, and, and I don't uh, think that just being there makes you an expert or anything like that, but it at least gives you a, a different perspective. Um, so for me, I, I would have had, uh, I, I certainly had a lot of misconceptions about different places um, until I had gone to them and experienced them myself. Um, so I think it's definitely opened my mind to places. Um, into, into different things as well. Um, so, you know, it's something that I will certainly continue doing. And uh, I've already written a few, a few books, three books about my travels. 
Um, and I have, you know, uh, plenty of stories and I think it'll keep me busy for a while to, to write more about them and uh, hopefully share some stories with others and, you know, the perspective that I had and, and the beauty of it for me is I get to relive it again when I write it, you know, or when I tell it, you know? Well, that actually segued into uh, what I was getting ready to ask you as we wrap this up. What's next for you? Uh, I, I know COVID's kind of got us all shut down, but what's next for you? Travels, books, uh, let us have it. Barbados. Yeah, sure. Barbados uh, is next for Jake. Absolutely. I'd love to. I'd love to. When it gets opened up, man, I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> just, just, just make sure you don't tell anybody you know Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it always helps to have an in, to have a connection to a, to a place you're going. So, not, okay. not, not for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. So, um, no, but it would be nice if it be someplace warm since it's so cold here in Boston. But for me um, in travel, uh, so I'm, I'm expanding my adventure travel. It's called Group and Website. Um, I wrote a book that just came out um, around Christmas time, which is called Journal of a Curious Kid, Christmas in England. And think of it like mm. a di diary of a wimpy kid, but there's actually culture and life lessons behind it, as well as humor. So it's a very light read, a lighthearted read for either a parent or someone who's a teenager who would read it and find out about all these cultural things in England and have a few laughs, right? So I have that. Uh, I'm actually writing a book right now called Journal of a Curious Kid, Pandemic Blues which is all about life in the pandemic uh, from the perspective, again, uh, of a kid, in this case, my oldest daughter. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that. And in the meantime, uh, at present, I'm taking a, a writing course at Oxford University, and it's got me um, doing a lot of life writing. And so I started to think about like writing about Japan since I know a lot about Japan. So that's probably like my next logical book after this one is, um, is a, book, a book about Japan. So yeah. And then uh, this year, hopefully, uh, I'll be on another mission, another adventure. I, I love, love, love the creativity of the book titles and where you're going with that. Th those are awesome. Coming from a writer myself who's written a couple oh, of books, those things are, I love it. You know, keep, keep going, keep going, keep going. And uh, uh, we would like to have you back. Uh, um, the, the, the shaman discussion definitely got both Dave and my attention. Your awesome. books got our attention. Awesome. Um, and, and we want to, you know, tap into that knowledge and just, uh, you know, have you on and, uh, you know, we're here to help you too. You know, don't just think this is a one way street where we get a podcast. We, we really want to help you get there. I, I, I like what you're doing. I love what you're doing actually. And I think I speak for Dave when I say that, uh, you've, you've got a, uh, um, a bright future in front of you as a writer as well. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Now it's been very fortuitous that we connected like this and that I was able to come on the show and, you know, I'm hooked as a listener and I was. Very glad to meet you guys, and I would love to come back on. Yeah, I Thanks. only wish we had Thank done you. it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's my fault, buddy. I got to tell you, that's all right. That's all right. It's it's been Dave reached out to you a while ago, and it's, it was totally my fault. Uh, I had too many things going on, and you know, health issues of my own. I, I actually got the shot for shingles last week, and it knocked me down for a while. So I'm back to myself, but. Uh, Anyway, uh, uh, again, I appreciate you coming on our show um, and uh, tell us uh, your Facebook group again and tell us about your website and where we can find your books. You bet. So the Facebook group is called Adventure Travelers Club. So Adventure Travelers Club on Facebook. Uh, also, the website is the same name, although it's not fully built out yet, uh, but it will be um, shortly. And then my personal website is johnjrice.com. Uh, you can also read about my books there. Uh, my books are available on Amazon. Uh, you can see them under my author page, which is John J. Rice. And you can also um, just find them if you search on All That Was Revealed, What the Shaman Taught Me, the book about Ecuador, um, Journal of a Curious Kid, Christmas in England. And I have another book called Drink and Be Merry Too, uh, which, <laughs> is, 
It's all about uh, Christmas food and drink in other countries. Nice, nice, mm. nice. You well, see, Michael. You see, Michael thought you were talking about adult beverages. You know, that's why. Oh, is. it is. Yeah, it is. It's oh, it really is about it is, adult yeah, beverages. It is. It's, okay. it's it's how to make glue wine and, and egg pot. <laughs> Come pot. on, man. Yeah, you got it, Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I didn't get to be an NFL quarterback either, but I damn sure know when somebody's talking about having an adult beverage. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoy it. Uh, Jay, (laughs) I appreciate you. Uh, And uh, again, you're more than welcome uh, to come back at any time. And as a matter of fact, when we hang up, I will start to set that up immediately because I would like to have you back. So uh, again, uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, Our guest has been uh, Jay Rice, and uh, he just laid out all of where you can reach him and his group on Facebook. So uh, until next time, for Dave Cumberbatch, this is Michael Gordon Bennett saying so long.